Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? David made me watch Bridge on the River Kwai, 1957, $44 million U.S. gross. After settling his differences with a Japanese prisoner of war camp commander, a British colonel cooperates to oversee his men's construction of a railway bridge for their captors, while oblivious to a plan by the Allies to destroy it. So, mm-hmm. some fun facts about this movie. Okay. Just jumping on in. Okay. This whole thing was filmed... They call it Ceylon at the time. That is now Sri Lanka. Okay. First of all, we asked the question in one episode, was there a bridge on the River Kwai? Yes. There was Uh a bridge on the River Kwai. It was built by Allied prisoners of war. Mm -hmm. It was destroyed, but not until two years after they finished it. Okay. But the characters that did complete the work... A lot of these characters are based on real people. Mm-hmm. Colonel Nicholson is based on an actual British commander who was very stiff upper lip and um, very much about controlling his men. The Japanese commander was a lot less ruthless okay. um, than what we know from history. They filmed this all in Sri Lanka in the jungles. It was a nightmare. Yeah, that sounds about right. Alec Guinness did not want to take this role mm-hmm. based on the script. And was so perturbed by the movie. This is one of my favorite facts that I've read. He was so unsure about his performance that David Lean had to have his whole family flown in, sit him down with daily rushes, and show him. They all walked out. Alec Guinness came back an hour later and says, this is some of the best work I've ever done. We're good. Mm -hmm. Like, David Lean, to a man, was kind of on this madman-type filmmaking experience but everybody after the fact is like, now nah, we did something amazing here. No, I read that they didn't get along. Nobody got along. Yeah. Well, everybody was pissed off about being in the jungle, except David Lean, who, <laughs> like, loved it. He loved every second of it. He never complained. Yeah, um, I could see that. David Lean, mm-hmm. British director. Okay. Most famous after this for Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. Ah. So, big deal. Also did Oliver Twist before this. With Alec Guinness. Yes. Okay, so they already had a history together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure he got those other two epics from this movie. That makes sense. I guarantee it. And Sam Spiegel, there's all sorts of stories on there about the producer Sam Spiegel charming his way into getting every actor on the face of the planet to do this movie. Oh, yeah. They had to charm the pants off of William Holden. <laughs> And pay him a shit ton of money. I read that piece of trivia. Okay, so it made $44 million gross. So that's a fuck ton of money for 1957. And they only used $3 million to make the movie because they were casting every extra known to man. Well, they didn't even cast extras with actual people. Oh, they, right. They did the locals a lot. So, they, you know, they were paying them nothing. Okay, so did you read the... Did you read about what they did with William Holden's money? I did, but I forgot the specifics. Okay, so they paid him like $300,000 up front. But then they also gave him 10% of the gross, which is an obscene percentage. Because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just for any actor to get 10% of the gross. And then... But they capped it at they only had to pay him $50,000 a year. The studio was actually making more money off the interest they were holding back from paying him. And William Holden got to a point where he was dependent on that money. <laughs> so they finally had to come to a settlement where they had to pay him out in a lump sum. And he had to, and then like the rest of the the proceeds went into a trust. Well, and the other thing was when they finally decided to televise it, because mm-hmm. this was one of the longest movies that had ever been televised on, or actually it was the longest, at three hours, ten minutes with commercials, he fought it and sued to not have it happen because it was going to hurt box office receipts. Well, he, they, somebody wanted to make it into a television series, and he sued to make sure that wouldn't happen yeah. for that very reason. And Well, because they... Part of it, too, was that, you know, this movie kept getting shown in theaters again mm-hmm. and again. This was before... We did multiplex in and out all the time. Yeah. They would still show and movies. VHS and DVD and, and all that stuff. They'd redo it over mm-hmm. because you didn't have a home office. Okay. So 
this movie has a whole lot of colonial attitudes floating around in it, which oh, is yeah. a little it's difficult to stomach. It's a little uncomfortable. You kind of, you, you have to swallow your pride a little bit and go, okay, this is 1957 <laughs> and it's actually 1943. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> British people would have actually thought this about Asians. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Let's start with the directing. Okay. What'd you think about it? It's a little stiff. A little stiff? Mm-hmm. What do you think is so stiff about it? I feel like you just have a lot of scenes where there's not enough tension and you just have two gentlemen just staring at each other. Really? I find those two gentlemen staring at each other moments very, very tense. I don't find them tense. And I think part of it is that it goes on just a little too long. That is true. Especially that first confrontation where the, um, I I can't remember anybody's name, um, but... Nicholson and Nicholson Saito. and yeah and uh and he's standing outside and they're like all right you're gonna stay in attention all day I don't feel enough tension uh, I think maybe a few more reaction shots from the other officers might have helped yeah I did like when we cut to the two Asian officers talking and you can see in the background the British officers standing at attention like I kind of like that you can see them back there that was a good shot, but I didn't, I didn't get the tension. I did. I so did. Now, where I did get the tension was when they finally let Nicholson out of the oven, and he goes and has that dinner, and that's where Nicholson plays Saito. Oh. That's an, um, that, is a, that is a perfectly done scene. It's just long enough. There's tension. There's drama. And then there's this whole, like, Nicholson just played you, and he's been in a box for, like, a week. Well, I think... It may help to approach this movie with context that if you understand what's going on and the British, the nature of the British soldier and certain things like that. But I think if you, if you enter the movie with Mm -hmm. that, which is where I was when I first saw this movie, then that tension's already built in. And if you're not, and you're just approaching it fresh, that's not there. And it's not naturally built in the opening of that. Which I, I think is a factor of time as well, wherein everybody who saw this movie would have known all the backstory behind this. Well, okay, so when we start the movie, we've got the William Holden character and he's digging graves. Right. They should have used that as a better setup to explain the tensions between the British officers and the Asian. Yeah. The Australian guy could have explained that too, once yes. we saw the new British officers walk mm-hmm. in. That's I think I think you're right. There's not a setup there for us to understand what what this showdown's about to be. Because there's a lot of exposition there, and then we get them marching in, right? And that's it. And so there's not any buildup because it should have been a little more terrifying when they marched in, right? And it wasn't. Well, there's a that's a bone of contention with a lot of veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is widely despised by many veterans <laughs> because the Burmese to Siamese road. Yes. Was hell. Yeah. I mean. I believe that. They try to they try to make it pretty hellish, but we're talking like way worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were marched, they were marched through the sun, days on end, no water, no food, mm-hmm. uh, beaten by the soldiers. Probably some of them were raped by the soldiers. You know, this whole honor code thing, they were just utterly demoralized by yes. the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so those guys, to a person, are like, this movie doesn't even come close to the shit we had to deal with. To which the producers were like, yeah, but we couldn't have made a movie. Yeah, I mean, what, do we really want to tell that They story? were like, this would be too depressing if we tried to go that far with it. And you couldn't get away with showing any of that on screen in 1957. Let's also, we can pivot from there to the writing. Okay. The novel by Pierre Boulle. Mm-hmm. Who received credit for this movie, but did not write the screenplay. Yes, I did read that lovely bit of trivia. So, uh, this movie is actually, the screenplay was actually written by two men, Carl Foreman and Michael Wilson. Carl Foreman started, mm-hmm. and he and David Lean were at loggerheads with mm-hmm. one another. Sam Spiegel apparently loved to have that happen. Yeah. Thought it made a better screenplay. Mm. But eventually, Carl got pissed off, too pissed off and left. Then Michael Wilson comes in and finishes the screenplay. Those two were blacklisted. They were blacklisted. They were blacklisted at the time, could not get their name on the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So Pierre Boulle, who wrote the novel, which I have read and is very good. And he got, he received, he won the Oscar. He won the Oscar at the time because he got the screenwriting credit. Mm-hmm. That was later fixed. 
Yeah, I think it was in 1984. I read that. I remember. It's like, oh, it's my birthday. Yeah. Um, they they fixed that. They restored their names to the credit, and they both received Oscars. Though I believe it was Wilson had already passed away at that point, so he yeah, didn't get, they, one of them didn't get to live to see that. They fixed it posthumously, and now in every screening of the movie, it is fixed. The names of the two screenwriters are actually on mm-hmm. the movie. What did you think about the writing? It's good. Yeah. Um, pretty solid. For it a it 50s is. Movie. I like that a lot of. Um, the other lang- the foreign languages aren't uh, subtitled. Yeah. Um, I really love when they just kind of let you figure out what people are saying in another language. I, I, I see that happening more now, but there was a really long period of time in filmmaking, I feel, was, uh, oh, if there's any foreign word spoken, we're going to subtitle it. And, you know, we watch television, we watch all these movies with subtitles so we don't miss things. And so I really like it when it's just like, oh, you just kind of have to figure out by body language or context and that's just the way it's going to be. And I like that. With a factor of that too, I really love that they let the story play out. They don't try to shove a bunch of exposition on these things. There's there's a little. Yeah, Uh, but not nearly as much as you're accustomed to from a 40s or 50s movie. The William Holden storyline is the worst one. It is. Which far. is sad because it's a really important plot point. It once they finally get around to that actual story, yes. then it then it starts kicking into high gear and you're fine. Yes. Uh, but it takes a while for us to get there. Um, but yeah, the byproduct is like the British storyline is the most fascinating part of the mm-hmm. whole movie. Um so I don't know, it's it it, it is to me, it's a very different movie. I also really enjoy what it has to say about war. I really liked um, Colonel Nicholson saying, uh, we're going to do this and we're going to do it well, because one day someone's going to look at this and be like, the British soldiers made this. And I like that he was like, we're going to take pride in our work, because we're not going to let other people say shit about it. He does, but there's also this undercurrent behind that of he wants to leave a legacy. Yes, absolutely. And there's, that's the madness that comes in. He starts there... But mm-hmm. there's this creeping madness of we need to leave a legacy mm-hmm. behind and, and this mad and so Well, it's not so much that, but it's he wants to keep his men focused. He doesn't want them to go crazy by being idle. He wants to maintain their regime and he which is a which is a wonderful form of leadership. It really is. He's thinking about their mental capacity. And yes, he wants to leave a legacy because he knows there's a very real chance we're all gonna die here. Well, for me, I think that there's a deeper subtext to that where, yes, he has all of that and it's noble, but there's something much deeper and more ignoble that he's pushing for. That's what the major, that's what the major Clifton character is supposed to be pointing out is that major Clifton, is that the doctor? The doctor. Okay. You're getting way too involved in this and you're getting way too invested personally. There's this personal Mm -hmm. entrenchment, which is what the final scene is supposed to reveal. I mean, that line is so gutting when he finally says, my God, what have I done? (laughs) What did I do here? Because he built the bridge, one of the central bridges that was going to help the Japanese do what they were supposed to do. I mean, that's insane. No British officer would be to do that. He could be court-martialed for treason over something like this. No, he couldn't. He was a prisoner of war. I know. But, (laughs) But... I know. I get that. It's just... Uh, it's it's two different views. You it see is. it one way, I see it the other way. I, I see it as uh, I'm I'm in a really shitty situation, but I'm not going to lose my honor or the respect of my soldiers in the process. Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, think, I, I get the other side, but to I me, feel like I th- that's... As overwrought as it can feel, mm-hmm. I think the perf- I think Clifton gets the perfect line at the end. His acting's a little over the top, mm-hmm. but the madness line is so perfect to yes. sum up the whole thing. Like, this is ridiculous. All of this. All of this. Everything that just happened is just pure insanity. Yeah. That's very accurate. (laughs) And summarizes what war boils down to. Yeah. Which is brilliant. That's what I think is such a great turn. So so the writing is good. Yeah. uh, The direction was a little bit of, like, they... They need to tighten it up there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an epic. Honestly, the weakest part is the love story stuff that they put in for William Holden. Mm-hmm. And that really came down to they didn't think they could sell this movie without it. If we did this now, that wouldn't be there at all. Correct. It would be tight between with one storyline and this other storyline. Because story they line. not only did it there, they did it when he was with the local women, too. He had that flirtation which, going on, which was just creepy. Yeah, it gets real weird. It was just like, ew. It's a bit much. 
let's talk about the acting. Okay. So, first build is William Holden. Is William Holden. Mm-hmm. I love the David Lean line of, I've never seen somebody make this look so easy. Mm-hmm. They're just, everyone to a person has been impressed with that dude when they see him in a movie. I, okay, so this is probably... <sighs> I've seen very little of William Holden. Um, I know him mostly from just them talking about him in the California episodes of I Love Lucy. Well, and then us watching Network. That Yeah, uh, but Network is probably the, the big thing that I can say, yep, that's William Holden. Um, though he's a very distinctive profile. So when he showed up on screen, I instantly knew that was him. Yeah. He, he is great. Um, he plays his role very well. Uh, you can you can see why women would be attracted to him, you know, as... Same same thing in network, and yeah, right. He is very effortless. Like he does make it look easy. He he has this magical thing too of even if the character isn't written very mm-hmm. well, he just flips it on its head and makes it amazing. He's just very layered. Like there's a couple of other movies that I'm totally considering throwing on this list just because he's so good in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he's got a natural charm. It's unfortunate that his character has kind of a weak storyline, mm-hmm. but once we get to the end, he's real integral and has a sp- very specific stake in what happens at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, with those three guys going through the jungle, each has a specific perspective on how to fight and what they're supposed to be there for. And, you know, he's just like, I just got to get the job done so I can go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to get the hell out of there. Now, the winner for the Oscar for mm-hmm. Best Actor, yep, Sir Alec Guinness. Okay, this is the first Alec Guinness I have seen that wasn't Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> me, honestly, me too. Um, like when we were watching it, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna recognize him when he shows up on screen. And you're like, he already has. But if he was walking in and he had that stupid hat on and it's his ears are very distinctive. If I had been able to see his ears, I could have figured it out. And honestly, it's kind of hard to tell who he is until you see his mustache. Yeah, until he Once, takes the hat off. Well, and on, later on, the mustache. The mustache is the dead giveaway. Hmm. Once once he starts to grow a little facial hair. But yeah, I mean, even, yeah, I guess. He was wonderful. He's so good in this he movie. He was. He's so enveloped in a character. Yes. I love just the little thoughts that he put into things, you know, the note that as he came out of, as he finally came out of the, the hot box in the oven mm-hmm. and he's just completely out of, out of step and completely misaligned that the only thing he could think of to use was after seeing his son after recovering from polio mm-hmm. and then said to this day, that's some of the finest acting I've ever done. Yep. I was like, it's a genius. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen in a movie. Ooh, I don't know if I can say that. It, well, it is for me. But he was great. He was wonderful. He's just magic every scene he's in. Yes. He, he really was, is. He was, just, he was believable. And makes the movie. Yes. In a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. if you had any weaker actor, it really wouldn't work. Correct. Jack Hawkins is Major Bolton. Who is Major Bolton? The British Special Forces guy that they're with. Oh, yes. He was obnoxious. <laughs> but I think that's appropriate for the character. He's, he's fine. He's that... Typical 1950s British, I'm going to lead this gun force through, and I'm, I'm the demolitions expert. I know how to blow things up. You're a doofus. Yeah, I know. I mean, it could, he could have been replaced with any number of people. And let's give you the last top build cast, who I think is very interesting just to talk about. Um, Sasue Hayakawa, Colonel okay. Saito, uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor for mm. this movie. He is a silent film star from the 1910s. Wow. He his his film career goes all the way back to then. Wow. He was a Japanese and Asian character in mm-hmm. a bunch of um, not only Japanese movies but in American, American silent, films. silent films. Well, he did wonderful. He had he was... very limited command of English. Yes, and I I had read the note that he removed all the pages of his script that he wasn't involved in. So he had no idea what was going to happen to him. Brilliant choice. It was a very good choice for that character. He's a, he was perfect against Alec Guinness. Yes. Yeah, because he was very powerful, um, but also kind of impotent. He's a, he's a man running up against soft power. Yes. And pa- the power of wit. He's an errand boy. And, and never and never understood how limited his role really mm-hmm. is. He'd yeah. been able to wield 
authority with an iron fist for so long in that jungle. Until he met somebody who was above him, who had greater command, better leadership skills than him, and then he was fucked. Yeah. Like, the second Nicholson showed up, he was fucked. Oh, yeah. Because that guy was like, I'm not playing your game. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Were there any of the other officer types that you that you found particularly interesting? I mentioned Major Clifton, James yeah, Donald. Yeah, I, I liked the doctor because I was just, I remember I was like, he's trouble. <laughs> he is trouble. He's he's supposed to be the the voice of reason mm-hmm. to, now, to Nicholson he, to be like. Um, he stood out just enough for me to pay attention to him. Absolutely, which is appropriate because you you should pay attention to him when he talks, but he shouldn't pull focus. Uh huh. Um, whereas that other the other guy who was with. Uh, Colonel Shear or Commander Shears at the beginning. Like, I could, I don't know who that guy is, I don't care. Oh, the Australian he, guy. Yeah, he didn't need to. Yeah. No, Clifton, Clifton really is there to be the audience surrogate, to be <laughs> looking at this guy going, I, you know, there's something interesting because there, there is a little bit of lost in time with this movie. Uh-huh. Because I guarantee you, if we were in 1957, having just dealt with World War II, mm-hmm. like 10 years before, knowing what happened in Asia, yeah. and knowing what happened to those guys, we'd be looking at this guy going, who is this insane person mm-hmm. who would actually help these dudes? Yeah. That's, that's a big part of this where like th- there's a whole element of, Oh my God, how crazy is this man for doing these things True, and for building this bridge? True. To me, the last 20 minutes of the movie is you could just show me that on a loop. I'd be happy. The bridge explosion with him finding the wire to the scene with him in Saito and him tackling the, the that's soldier. all. That's all good. That's just. So I will good say, to me. the bridge explosion is quite impressive for 1957. Yeah, David Lean, I mean, was a a re- very realistic director. Mm-hmm. If we ever do watch Lawrence of Arabia, um, I've seen most of it. I don't care. I know, but it is impressive what he did in the actual desert with all those battle scenes. Uh, I don't it, care. It's a legitimately good movie. I know. I just don't care. Eh, I know. So we got some of the Oscars here. Okay. Best picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, you know, the mo- honestly, the movies aren't, I, I'm not that familiar with. The big ones I saw were 12 Angry Men, um, An Affair Which to Which is a hot turd. Mm, so say you, not me. We talked through that problem when we did Network. Witness for the Prosecution, which is a Billy Wilder movie that I've never seen. Ooh. Uh, the Three Faces of Eve. I love Billy Wilder, though. Um... The original Peyton Place. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, and Funny Face. And Pal Joey, two musicals. Oh, well, Funny Face is going to be on our slate in the spring. Yeah, I know. So, some, some different things there. Um, but Bridge won a ton of awards. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I can't fault them for this. Uh, best Picture. Okay. Best Director. Mm-hmm. Best Actor for Alec Guinness. Yep. Best Supporting Actor nomination for yes. Sesame Hayakawa. Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, because it was based it's off the book, novel. Yeah. Best Original Score. It's pretty good. Now, this is a fun little story. So, they wanted this eligible for the awards. Mm-hmm. They knew they had a contender in this mm-hmm. movie. Yes. And a strong performer. Mm-hmm. But ten days before, they were, they were ready to release it, but they didn't have a score. Mm-hmm. So, they call Malcolm Arnold... To come in and write this score as fast as he possibly can. Yep. He comes up with it, puts it in the movie, they get eligible, he wins the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Because that use of Colonel Bogey, Mm -hmm. Colonel Bogey's march, um, is just so iconic. Yep, it is. Everybody remembers that whistle, everybody remembers that stuff, and they use it in movies all the time. In movies, they use it. Hell, we did it in marching band. I know. It was a very informal version, but we did it. Best cinematography, which I will give it for. This is a gorgeous looking movie. Especially for 1957. They and did it, make it look really good. And especially being in the jungle. Yes, and even those, those shooting day for night scenes were still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you get past that because you understand what's going on. Yeah. But just, they make everything look crisp, clear. Mm-hmm. Like, every, you can see everything that you need to see in the scenes. And just these wide, sweeping shots of the yes. jungle, which are just so telling. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, best editing. Mm, I... I... 
I, it could have been tightened up. I know. It's different standard. I know. I, I get that. I, I understand. I get so used to the, the fast cuts now, and nobody had ever thought about doing that up to this point. No, I know. So. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's everything. I guess we just gotta go to the star ratings. It's your movie. You start first. So, I'm gonna go higher than maybe this merits, but I'm going four and a half. Oh, Okay. I really like this movie. It's a good one. I, I think it's a good one. As far as war movie goes, this one, of the war movies I've seen, because I've seen, you know, you fair, a, a fair good amount. chunk, especially of the older ones, this is the only one that hits at the idea of what it does to people, hmm. as opposed to, you know, this, as opposed to just being the straight tale of heroism, or, you know, maybe even anti-heroes. This movie is just so complex about people being in war. And that's what I find hmm. so interesting. Especially all of the Colonel Nicholson stuff. And it just, it, it deals with things in a much more human way. Alright. What say you? 3-5. Okay. That's fair. It needs to be tightened up. It does. That's why I couldn't give it a 10. Or a 5. A 5. Yeah, it needs to be tightened up. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm not going to sit through it again. I know. It's good. Uh, and the most of those awards are merited. I, I'm totally okay with its best best picture winning. I could tell you were definitely engaged. Like, really, there are points where I definitely saw you sucked into it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we tend to do, like, we sometimes are working on Legos, and I, I'm a knitter, so I'll knit during a movie, and... This was a pretty easy one to do those things through. It was. But it, I... Like, one, oh, okay. Especially the last ten minutes, I definitely saw it. It's like, everything drops, I gotta watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's so much fun to, to find those moments that are really good. Oh, yes. So, so yeah, three, five. I know. I go high, but I really It's a just, pretty solid rating. I really like this movie and where it goes and the interesting ideas it has. <laughs> You're very generous to films. I'm generous to films, but I also just... I'm generous to this one. True. In particular. True. Okay. So what three-hour movie are you going to make me watch next time? Uh, the next one's only going to be about two hours. Oh, nice. We are going to watch Billy Wilder's The Apartment. Ah, oh, yes. I've never seen this one. Uh, Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. That's the one where she's the elevator operator, right? Uh, I can't remember specifically. I remember them talking about it on Mad Men. That's the only reason why I remember. That's entirely possible. It is a definitely mm -hmm. interesting Best Picture winner. It's also, uh, it's a dark, dark comedy, but it is a comedy. Mm-hmm. And this is a good test case for later stuff of Billy Wilder's, who is a director I genuinely admire. Okay. Fun stuff. Mm. Um, but some really good work from these two actors. Okay. So. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>
It was well cast. And that's not to downgrade no. the, the character or her, just in it was a it was a different, more subtle performance for her, mm-hmm. which I really liked seeing. Well, and this character was a woman who this was never supposed to be her job. So she's definitely uncomfortable with what she's now required to do, to do right. it well. Um, not that she doesn't want to, she's not interested, it's just she's completely out of her element. Yeah. And Tom Hanks while he's definitely hamming it up a little bit. Yeah. One interesting thing is, like, uh, the whole time I'm like, oh, he's our William Holden. A little bit. Holy yes. crap. Yes. I had many a network flashbacks when watching this movie. Some of that's in his a, voice. In a good way. Uh, there was that. Just the mannerisms. He is adorable. And I love Tom Hanks. I love him just as a person. When I mean, he's so funny. Yeah. Um, and then he's a wonderful performer. He's had an amazingly varied career uh, that I, I never, I, I, I always enjoy him. I mean, you know, he's, he's playing the rough around the edges news leader guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the cameos, well, not even cameos, but all the supporting, the supporting roles, roles are fun. They're just fun to see who's there. Bradley Whitford plays an asshole so well. I'm always excited to see him. I thought that's the, I okay. It was kind of hard for me to tell that Bruce Greenwood was playing Robert McNamara. Oh yes, he transformed a little bit for this. He can be a bit of a chameleon. He can't. So I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, there's Bruce Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Yes. Most of the time, it's like that. But he wasn't in this movie. They, they made him look like McNamara to a T. Yes, it was very bizarre to see David Cross with hair. <laughs> with a wig on that and that much of it and it was really okay and on the flip side it was really weird to see bob odenkart looking so gaunt ragged and gaunt i know he's a, a trim guy and i know his hair is white is gray white now um but you know we've been watching him on better call saul and i think they kind of pad him out a little bit more and he's definitely got a wig on for that and so it's just so weird they do a little bit but i also think they i think that's makeup honestly his face looks a lot more sunken than his body really is yeah yeah they they aged him up a bit and that was just it was a bit much and then of course it's funny to see david cross and bob odenkirk standing next to each other not being dicks Or not being Mr. Show. Exactly. Um, and I do know that Steven Spielberg didn't really know about that connection when no, they were, they were cast completely independently. And since then, he's watched Mr. Show. Yes. He understands their cultural phenomenon that's, that they created. That's kind of a, a funny coincidence that worked out well for everybody. Um, this is a this is a fun movie in a lot of ways. It was fun. Um, I it's, think a, it's a Spielberg movie. It's, it's going to have the jokes and It's silly. a little bit of a love story to the journalists. Right. Um... Sometimes a little annoyingly A so. little bit. Um, I know that's a personal love of Tom Hanks. Um, you know, one, he ha- he collects antique typewriters. Yeah. That's one thing he does. And I know it was very publicized that he sent a brand new cappuccino espresso machine to the press corps at the White House this year, which he had, which he did to replace the one he sent like four years ago. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, he sends a letter and like, you're doing, you're doing the, jo- the most important job. And so it's, it's kind of like the people who are involved in this film love this, this industry. Yeah. And this was, this was an important time for freedom of the, and a, legitimately important time for freedom of the press. I think now sometimes the papers have gotten a little overblown with how they've advertised that. Yes. Because it's a bit much. But Correct. at this time, it was a legitimate issue. That that's the It had never been tested. It hadn't been tested in such a brazen way. Well, and as they state, they do state in the movie, you know, has this ever happened and they're like not in the history of our republic. No. Um, they they've been prosecuted, but yeah, it's sure. nobody has ever been found. Well, and nobody had ever said, you can't print this. Exactly. I don't know, you got anything else? John Williams did the score. Of course he did. Keeps things moving. Uh, it's pretty. It's uh, actually a really good score for it's what's de- actually it's, a tense movie. Yeah. A little different for him. You know, it's a two-hour movie, and it flowed very well. Yeah, you didn't feel um, too... You didn't feel too dragged down by anything, but he also let stuff breathe when it needed to. Yeah, it's just... It's well cast. It's a lot of fun people. It's a good movie. It's a legit good movie. It's not It's not an Oscar winner. No. It's going to get some nominations in certain pockets it, here and there. It will, but it, um, it doesn't uh, It doesn't deserve any trophies based and, on what we've seen so far. And I know I know you don't want to see her even near the nominations. I think Meryl legitimately earns a nomination. Not a win. Absolutely not. But, an, but that recognition, because this is an actually different 
roll for her. I, I don't care. Yeah. There's too many other female performances that were as good or better. Do not waste a nomination on Meryl Streep. She'd probably say the same thing. I She has won three trophies, and her last win, she said, I'm never going to be allowed to be up here ever again, so I have to say this. And then she gave a little tribute to her husband, which was very sweet. Yeah, no. Just don't waste a nomination on Meryl Streep. She's amazing. She's going to be in that room until she's dead. It's just the way it's going to be. And that's okay. Yep. It's fine. If you're interested in that at all, that's fine. It's not too, too preachy, so don't worry about that. Um, and from it, what I've heard, gets the facts really accurate. Which I liked. I, I will be the first to admit that I do not have the best grasp on our history. So I like films that can kind of reinforce, okay, I kind of knew a little bit about this, but okay, this this gives me the better idea of what happened. And by all accounts, even-handed. Like, they did, mm-hmm. they don't they don't stray one way or the other on how they report everything. They're just yeah. like, they go straight down the middle on what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's always admirable in a historical film. Yes. So, so, that's the first movie that was seen this weekend, but it's not the only movie that was seen this weekend. Correct. I went to the movies yesterday, and I took our six-year-old daughter, Lucy, and we saw Coco. Been out for a while. It's been out for a while. It's just one we hadn't gotten to, and it was one we knew she wanted to see, and we were just never able to do it where all three of us could go. And so she was in need of some just mom time. So I took her on my own and I asked her some questions about how she, what she thought of the movie. Hi everybody, this is Diana and I took our very special guest to go see Coco this weekend. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Who are you? Lucy. Lucy, how old are you? Six. Okay, so we saw Coco. Did you like it? Yes, I loved it, actually. Okay, what was your favorite part of the movie? Um, that was probably when Coco, when the boy... Miguel. Yes. His name, the little boy. Um, that would be probably when he was playing, um, his great, great, um, grandfather's guitar. Oh, when Miguel is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he played it a lot. Is there a specific time? That he played it that you thought was really cool? Um, kind of like in the beginning, like when he did the first drum and then when like the person came up and walked through him, oh. it was kind of a little bit scary. It was, um, cool and it and was scary. really fun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite character from the movie? I think it would probably be... The boy again. Miguel? Mm-hmm. He was really funny. I mean, like, he wasn't lying, Joe. I mean, I can't believe that his grandfather was lying to him. Well, no, his grandfather didn't lie to him. Uh, he Nobody knew the truth. So his, gra- his real great-grandfather, Hector, was killed, and nobody knew that. So they thought he just yeah. ran away. So he was just... he was a, killed. Yeah. There was a poison thing, and mm-hmm. one person gave him that drink, and in the morning, mm-hmm. he woke up, and he, and he was dead. <laughs> he woke up dead, that's right. And he was freaked out, probably, and, like, oh, it yeah, was... Oh, yeah, I'd be freaked out, too. I mean, it would be crazy if we were skeletons and we were just dead. Did you like the skeletons? Yeah, they were kind of fun, but when I saw that when... You, when people forget you, um, in the skeleton, uh-huh. in the dead life, mm-hmm. you just pass away. I know, it's sad and because you never it's, see it's not nice when people forget you. I mean, and, like, the person who was dead in the morning, mm-hmm. his daughter, Coco. Yeah. She was, he was, she was forgetting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was sad. Scary, too. But the Coco Boy was not. His name is Miguel. Miguel, I keep I understand. It is confusing because the name the movie is called Coco, but the main character's name is Miguel. And one of the characters named Coco, and I keep... Yes, his great-grandmother's name is Coco. Did, okay, so did, was there a song that you really liked? Remember Me. That is a good song. They sing that a lot. I really like the... 
think it was Poquito, the song that they sang at the competition. I really liked that song. I thought it was really fun. Okay. Uh, so would you want to see this movie again? Probably a thousand more times. A thousand more times. Okay, do we need to own it at home when it comes out on DVD? Yes, because I will always want to watch that. And I would ask every day if we could watch it. Okay, and let's see. Okay, so you talked about how much you love the My Little Pony movie. Is the My Little Pony movie better or worse than this film? Which one do you like more? Coco is like a slide bigger. It's a little bit better? Yeah. Okay, so if you had to give it a, a rating of one to five stars, five being the best, how many stars would you give it? Five. Five. That's a lot. Mommy almost never gives fives to movies. Mommy's a very tough critic. What? <laughs> you are crazy. That's That's accurate. Do you think mom, your mom, acts like any of the moms in the Coco movie? You act like the one that says, no music. <laughs> Do I take off my shoe and hit people with it? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Do you think that's something that I might do? No. If I ever did that, would you be surprised? Yes. I always say you are the person from Coco that says no music. <laughs> uh, is there anything that I say no to all the time, like music? Um, no, I don't think you do. No, I like music. So if you want to do music, you can do music. Yeah. Okay, is there anything else you want to say about the movie? Um... It was really fun, and, like, all the animals in the dead life was crazy because they were filled with colors, and mm -hmm. it was all fun, and, like, there were different colors on them, and, it, and the movie was awesome. <laughs> Did you like the dog, Dante? You mean Miguel's? Miguel's dog, dog Dante. The street dog. Yes! Yeah, he was pretty silly. Okay. Well, um, I had a lot of fun seeing the movie with you, and I can't wait to see another one with you. Me too. All right. Thanks for coming and talking with me. Bye. Bye. Okay, she's so cute. <laughs> she really, really likes this whole interview thing. And if I just said, okay, here's the microphone, she would talk for hours. Oh, yeah. She really would. Uh, <laughs> it's so cute. Uh, she was just like, am I going to be on the radio? <laughs> sure. That's, that's how we've had to explain what this is to her, because it's the only concept that she can understand. Until we can actually explain what a podcast is. Yeah, she doesn't... The internet is this really vague thing that makes the Netflix go. <laughs> that's about <laughs> all she's got. Okay, so, we've heard her thoughts. Yes. What are your thoughts about Coco? It is a good movie. Okay. It is. Um, it is probably Pixar's most beautiful film. That's intriguing to me. Um, it is gorgeous, and I think their opening sequence where they're setting the the groundwork for the story, for the family, is is done so cleverly and fun. And I, I always love when Pixar's able to do that. I don't think this is their best film. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people are like, this is the best film. It's, you know, it's like the number one movie in Mexico. Makes total sense. I'm not the right demographic for the central theme of the story. Well, and I've heard people, not even there, but... The device of the story, not the theme. The theme is still good. I've also heard people connect with just sort of the actual story itself in a very personal way. And I, I just wonder maybe, does it, is it just not a movie that connected with you specifically? No, it did not connect with me. Okay. Uh, one, uh, I don't have that let's remember our um, deceased family members. That's just not something I grew up with at all. So yeah. That's not a touchstone for me in any way. I mean, the first person in my family that I know of that had passed away, I was 22 years old. Oh, uh, yeah. That so, like, sense. I was a full-grown adult when my grandmother passed away, which, you know, is I'm very fortunate in that way. So it's kind of like, I didn't grow up with that. Let's remember our inside. That's just not something we did. Yeah. And the family dynamic is that a long, long time ago, uh, the husband in the family wanted to be a musician and he ran away. 
Yeah. And he left the mom and the daughter. And so the mom said, no more music. Done. And so that just got passed down. No music for anybody. And so now this little grandkid is like, I love music and I'm really good at it. Mm -hmm. So he steals from the dead and that curses him. So he gets sent to the afterlife with the rest of the skeletons and he has to get the blessing of his family, his ancestors who are already in the afterlife to go back. But they only want to say, you can go back, but you can never touch music again. So then he, so that's, he's trying to find his ancestor who was playing music to have him give him the blessing. All right. And okay. Well, this is, this isn't really spoilery, but people are really confused. Who's Coco? That's his great grandmother. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, his great grandmother, his mama Coco. <laughs> so, well, I, anyway. I, it was. It's good. It's cute. Um, and the and the real message is that your family's always there with you. Yeah. And that's sweet. Um, Lucy got a little choked up, but I it's not their best. I think I I still think their best film they've ever written is Inside Out. Well, yeah, I. That that hits me in all the way. Oh. <laughs> well, I think I think what's interesting is Coco hits that place for some people that Inside Out hits for you and me. That's no, that's totally fair. I think that's what it is. Is that it's it, there's a certain storyline in each of those Pixar yeah. movies that just hits a certain person in exactly the right way. And you know, people love The Incredibles, and I think The Incredibles is one of their worst films. One of. But. Different people think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, they also it, love Brad Bird, so. I do, and I do like Brad Bird. I, do, I still, I have trouble deciding which one is my favorite film. I go back and forth between Ratatouille and Monsters, Inc. That's fair. Those are great ones. Pixar, I mean. Pi- and I hated Ratatouille. I remember we saw it in the theater and I came out and I was like, that movie was horrible. But the more you watch it, like, the it's better genius. it gets. It's genius. It's so good. It is. It's, I mean, they're it's all a, It's a more subtle film. They're just all really good. Oh, At they the are. At the end of the day. Their worst movie is better than, Their worst than, movie like, is still 90%. amazing. Oh, yeah. So. All right. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. So now... Oh. We didn't even talk about the music. Oh. Uh, there's very little of it. That's interesting uh-huh. and weird. They don't have that much music. I was actually surprised there wasn't more. Yeah. But what I do really love... Is that a lot of the music is in Spanish. That's cool. No subtitles. Well and done. I loved that. That's really cool. I thought that was fun. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, right. So now we got to talk about the other big thing that happened last weekend. Yeah. So now that we've seen... Okay, so I've seen Coco now. We've both seen The Post. And The Golden Glows happened last weekend. So we, since we did a little, hey, this is what we predict. This is what we think about that. We're going to go through and kind of shout off kind of how we feel about the winners. So, best motion picture drama, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I was a little surprised. We should stay. We should start before we get to this. That we didn't watch the ceremonies. No. Uh, for various reasons. Primarily, our digital antenna disappeared. That's the first one, and the second one was after a while. I was like, I, I, I don't care that much. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched all the Twitter coverage, which That's was fair. which was fun. Yeah. That movie feels like it's growing on me more after I've sat with it. It's still not the best film. No, I would totally agree with that. I don't think it's the best film of the year. I, personally, to me, I can see how some people would think that, though. Because mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some people who The Shape of Water just goes over their heads. I agree. And a family and a family drama that's that sort of intense yes. will always get a wide group of people. So, I don't know. What else was nominated in the categories? Uh, Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, The Post, and The Shape of Water. Okay, so no. It was Three Billboards or Shape of Water. That's who it was between. Yeah. Okay. And all of those were the contenders to make it into Best Picture for the Oscars. No, I know. For musical or comedy, Lady Bird wins. Yeah, sounds about right. The more we talk about that movie, the more you don't like it, and the more I kind of like it. <laughs> it's way overhyped. That's a film. F- it just is. That's fair. I don't enjoy it as a legit awards contender type thing, like a, a hype movie. And I just people, enjoyed it as a movie. And people just keep wanting to keep talking. Greta Gerwig got shut out, and I was like, no, she wasn't that good. She wasn't. She she should have gotten the writing nom. Yeah. I can agree with that, because it was very well written, but her direction is not good. It's nothing special. 
I think it's a Jordan little... Peele is like a billion times better than hers. Okay? Well, that's true. But let's, let's play that game. There's, there is an art to getting very natural performances out of people. There true. really is. True. And hers isn't special. I felt like it was. Mm. We disagree on that. That's fine. Um, however, I will also say that the disaster, the disaster artist probably deserves to win this category. I mean, I'd love for Get Out to win this category, yeah. but honestly, Stem to Stern, Disaster Artist is a better movie. True. So. True. Let's go to Best Actor, mm-hmm. Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. Okay, to be fair, we had not seen any of the performances in this category, so we kind of were like, eh, it's going to be between this guy or this guy, so I'm yep. not surprised, it's, and I look forward to seeing the Darkest Hour, so. Mm. Yep, it's it's Gary or Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. That's the horse race here. Mm-hmm. Um, Chalamet. I'm sure is amazing. Yeah, we and that's um, on the list to see. We just haven't done it yet. And Tom Hanks is nothing super Sorry. special in this movie. Love you, Tom Hanks. You got two statues. Go sit down. I should say, by the way, these are drama performances. Yeah, it's kind of good things. I guess that best actress in a drama goes to Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I was disappointed that it wasn't Sally Hawkins. Agree. But. I ain't sad that it's, I mean, I, I'm not mad that it's Frances McDormand. Oh, this, I mean, it's a rehash of what we talked about, but yeah. this is all of Frances McDormand's work getting put into one thing and one single singular performance. Here's the thing. I, I want it to be Sally Hawkins. Absolutely. I really do. If she gets the Oscar, I could care less about what happens with the Golden Globes. Oh, yeah. I'm not mad. No. Frances McDormand, that, that is a solid performance. That is a winning performance. She's Fair. incredible in that movie. She is. She really is. I just, want it, I just want it to be Sally Hawkins. Performance in a comedy. Actor goes to James Franco for The Disaster Artist. That's what we predicted. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's in trouble now. I still want him to be nominated for the Oscar. I do. Well, he's not going to win, so... Well, we haven't seen the other performances, but he deserves a nomination for that. I know he's an ass. I don't care. We know I mean, that. I care. I do... I'm so conflicted! Damn it. it it's hard. <sighs> he deserves the win. Okay, let's just put that. Best Actress in a Comedy, Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. That's... Saoirse. 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 Ronan, Lady Bird, as Christine, Lady Beard, McPherson. Yep, that's that. We called that one, too. I think I'll have to go listen to our predictions. Whatever. Yeah, that sounds right. Best Supporting Performance in a Motion Picture. Everybody got nominated yeah, in all categories. Yeah, that all gets lumped together. Supporting Actor. Get your fist pump ready. It's Sam Rockwell. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Billboards. Hells yeah. Yeah, we pretty much called that one, too. He was so good. He's, he's good in everything. And I, I, I haven't watched his SNL performance, but I saw the bit of his mom. I was like, you probably know me as the guy in that movie. Not the main guy, but the other guy. I've I have been in love with him ever since Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I never saw that one, but I he really caught my attention. I know. What? I know. Okay, it's on the list, dude. Come on. Oh my! I did. It hasn't been on the list no, because I, I thought you watched it. No, I think I saw like a couple clips somewhere when oh you were watching gosh, or something. But I I've never sat down and watched it. I've watched that one with you. The Man. first time he got my attention was Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Like, I knew I had seen him in other things, but that's when I started knowing who he was. Nah, Chuck, that Chuck Bear's performance in, in Clooney's incredible directing, which has just gone downhill since mm-hmm. then, which is unfortunate. Uh, but dude, he's so good mm-hmm. in so many things. And this is not only like a career award a little bit, but in this movie, he's amazing. He is. He's, he's great. Um, and uh, this you is know, a- aside from using the N word. There's a lot of N-word in that movie. It makes sense in the context. I understand. It can still be bad. It is bad. But he's supposed to be kind of a hateable character. We're in a very contentious zone in Hollywood right now. I agree. Which is why... really uncomfortable. I think it's all the more amazing that he is that kind of vile as a human. And you come out rooting for him. Best Supporting Actress Mm -hmm. goes to Allison Janney for I, Tonya. I was really surprised. I really thought it was going to be Laurie Metcalf, but I can't say I'm mad. No, probably not. That was what, I mean, Allison Janney is amazing. It was going to be between those two women. Yeah. There was no con, there was no question about that. I'm just surprised because Lady Bird's a better movie. It's a better movie. And I think the Laurie Metcalf character is a harder one for you to sympathize with. Yeah. Uh, because there's nothing redeeming about the Alice and Janney character. No. Nothing. The Laurie Metcalf, you're like, this mom has is in a shitty position. 
And she is she always great to her daughter? No. Her daughter jumps out of a car. <laughs> like, this is what she's dealing with. Yeah. True sign that I'm a parent. I'm siding with the mom. <laughs> Best director, Guillermo del, del Toro. Toro. Okay. I've seen that clip 8,000 times. And what Natalie Portman did is really awesome. Oh, yeah. I love that. With Ron Howard just laughing his ass off oh, because and, he loves it. And I read his statement afterwards was like, I think it's funny. Of yeah. course, of, that's exactly what it is going on. It's all men. And women should get more recognition. Absolutely. And I do, I love Ron Howard too. So I thought that was funny. I felt a little bad for Guillermo de Toro because you could see it on his face. It was just like, oh shit. <laughs> but he deserved it. He did. That was the best directed film. Uh, like I say, I think in here there is one person who doesn't belong and that's Ridley Scott. Agreed. That it should it should have been Jordan Peele. But I understand, you know, I, I understand people are there it's a sensitive issue and there's people here. But the thing is, is like these four guys, maybe Spielberg too, like if you wanted to get Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele in there, yank Spielberg and yank Ridley Scott. Yeah. Those are look like just movies and while Greta Gerwig I, there's there's contention I, no, with us. I, and here's the thing. She did something different, no, for I, sure. I don't disagree. If that's what happened, if they pulled Spielberg and they put those two in, I wouldn't have argued with it. I would just been like, she's not going to win. No. It shouldn't be hers. I'd be at fine. All. And I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Give her that recognition. Yeah. And then give Jordan Peele that recognition for coming up with such an amazing premise. I don't want women to get nominated so we have a woman in the category. Exactly. Nobody I does. want more women to be directing films. And then I want the best films, regardless of who actually is directing them, to be nominated. Well, it's like, don't... don't... <laughs> that is my dream. <laughs> the awards don't do anything to actually help out what's going on in the actual studio. Correct. And in the actual system. It doesn't fix it. No. The system has to be changed. Correct. And most of the... Some of the best voices are the ones who are like, guys, stop worrying about this crap. Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah, the point is the that women aren't being given the opportunity to. Exactly. There's the problem. Um... You know, if if those two get in that category, though, this is a tough directing category. Best screenplay mm -hmm. goes to Martin McDonough for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay, and there's no differentiation between original and adapted? No, Golden not Golden for the Golden Globes. All together. Can I give you the other nominees? Yes. Okay. I, I, I need to reframe how I feel about this. Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa uh -huh. Taylor for The Shape of Water. Okay. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Mm -mm. Liz Hanna and Josh Singer for The Post. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Sorkin for Molly's Game. Okay, I should have pulled the post and put in The Big Sick. Should have pulled Molly's Game and put in Get Out. Molly's Game is pretty good. And, I, and again, they love wearing Sorkin. The post is a cracking screenplay, don't get me wrong. And on possibly adapted material, this I can is, see it This is it. where I, I really like that the Oscars differentiates between adapted and original. It's so It true. helps. It does help. It really does. It, it's a different metric. Yeah. I really think... Three Billboards is the best screenplay. I, I I don't remember what I said previously. I probably said Shape of Water. It, in this category, it's Shape of Water, Three Billboards, so I'm okay with it. I'll allow it. It's, I mean, McDonough crafted a near-perfect screenplay okay. there. Here's here's what it is. I'm not saying the directing fulfills no, no. that. Uh, I'm okay with the loss on Best Picture and Best Screenplay because Guillermo got Best Direction. And I think that's may how, that may be how it goes, that they're looking at it as... You have this unique vision. He had a vision, and he executed it perfectly. But it may not be the best. And it best, was rewarded. But it may not be the that. overall best picture. I, I, I can, I can come around to that philosophy and fine with it. But those are the two. Those are the. That's that's the horse race in that one. And okay. and you know that I'm fine with Ebbing if it's if it's that I, top contender. No, I and that's fine. The last one I will jump on here is best original score. Mm-hmm. Your favorite, Alexander Desplat, Desplat, wins for The Shape of Water. I still haven't bought that, and I need to, because I know I, 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 can, I can see the sequences as I'm dancing in my head, and it just makes me feel light and happy, and um, I, it, it was the best score. And some great other scores on there, yes. including one that I'm assuming is great and haven't heard yet, mm -hmm. which is Johnny Greenwood's Phantom Thread <laughs> score, which I'm so excited for. You people and your Johnny Greenwood love. I just, I, okay. Look. Radiohead's it's amazing, okay. It's okay. and he's a genius. It's okay. I'm just... And you will accept here's, this. Here's the thing. You're the music person, I'm the TV person. 
I cry at the drop of a hat when I see a particular How I Met Your Mother episode. Just thinking about it will bring me to tears. And I cry when I listen to Kid A. So there you go. There you go. Funny. So <laughs> we but, have our thanks. We come together on the movies. <laughs> Carter Burwell Street Billboards. John Williams' score for The Post yep. is great. Hans Zimmer's score for Dunkirk is really interesting. It is really good. Like, I those like are, Hans Zimmer. Those are great things. And okay. finally, you know, I'll just say Coco won Best Animated Feature. Yeah, okay. So there you go. That's a lot. That is a lot. Um, Oscar nominations come out January 23rd. So once those come out, we'll, um, the next day, that Wednesday, we'll release a little... 20 to 30 minute episode of us talking about the nominations and how we feel about them but it'll be its own freestanding episode hey academy don't piss us off it'll make happen. the right choices it'll happen of course they will i mean it's just the way it is but but don't mm-hmm. just don't all right guys until next time bye guys <laughs>